I'm gonna trade my earthly home for a better one, bright and fair. Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, gold and crown. Good afternoon. It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2018. And today we are going to be studying Mark chapter 5. Uh, if you haven't um, been following along with these lessons and this is the first time, uh, you can always catch up on previous lessons that we've done. We're going through each chapter of the Bible, uh, about five chapters a week. So we tend to go Monday through Friday. This week we're going Tuesday through Saturday. Um, but, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, you can always catch up on uh, the previous lessons that we've done here on our Facebook page. You can just go to the video section over uh, on the left-hand side of the page. If you're on desktop, if you're on uh, if you're on mobile, there's a section for videos there as well. Um, or you can go to our website, loveland.church, and you can find out all kinds of information about the church that meets here in Loveland Heights, when we meet, where we meet, etc. But you can also go up to that media tab up top there, click on Daily Bible Study, and you can see all the previous uh, lessons that we've gone through, uh, all the way through the book of Matthew, and now as we start into uh, the book of Mark. Of course, there's also uh, previous sermons on there as well. Uh, each Sunday, we do a, a sermon from from the reading for that week. This week we're reading Mark chapter 3 through 7. Uh, and as you can see there, there's also a section for podcasts. So if you'd like to get these lessons and the sermons delivered to your uh, mobile device uh, on a weekly basis, you can sign up for that and subscribe to that and uh, get those delivered to you. All right, with that said, let's go ahead and get into Mark chapter 5. If you'd like to turn over there. If not, it'll be on the screen here, uh, but if you're on a mobile device, uh, I've got the font as big as it'll go, uh, and so that may still be not big enough for you. So if you need to turn there, go ahead and do that. And let's begin in verse 1. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the uh, Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain, for he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles into pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. All right, so let's let's stop there for a second. Um, this man, shackled with metal chains and shackles, is breaking out of them. Obviously, something supernatural is happening. Uh, and of course, that is because of uh, the demonic spirit that, that is within him. So no one, it says, no one had the strength to subdue him. That's an important uh, verse there. Verse 5, night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? He replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea 
and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city, or told it in the city and in the country, and people came to see what it was that happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one that had lead, the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. All right. So, uh, again, we've had this story before uh, in the Gospel account of Matthew. We looked at uh, last month as we were going through that um, that that book. Um, and so, Mark's account is a little bit more detailed. There's a little bit more going on. Um, and again, Mark's account is believed to have come from the experience of Peter. So there's a, a little bit more insight that, that Peter is, is offering here, it would seem. Um, and so there's a conversation that happens between Jesus and the demon. Uh, the demon's name is Legion, and um, as the name and the pronoun suggest, this is not just one unclean spirit, but multiple um, working together within this man. Um, obviously, this man is extremely troubled by this spirit. Um, he's been cutting himself, uh, uncontrolling himself, and of course, all these supernatural things and un being unable to be subdued by man. But he was able to be subdued by Christ. And that's the important part of this story, is that no man was able to solve this problem. It was only Christ who was able to do it. And what do the pigs have to do with it? Well, I think the pigs offered up an opportunity to, again, show the power and control and authority that Jesus had. Um, if you notice, the, the demon asks Jesus to send them into the pigs. He said, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. And verse 13 says, he gave them permission. Jesus could have said, nope, come out, you're gone. Instead he says, okay, yeah, go into the pigs. Why? Why did Jesus decide to do that? Well, because of the uh, spectacle, really, of what happens next. This herd of pigs, about 2,000 of them, rush down the bank and drown in the sea. Now remember, pigs are unclean animals in, in, in Jewish law. They're, they're not to be eaten. Uh, and so, um, you know, it could be that uh, it, that was to send a slight message, but at the same time, I think it was more to show his authority and his power. Because that is what got the herdsman's attention. It wasn't so much that the, the unclean spirit was pulled out of the man, but the fact that their pigs had rushed down into the sea. Pigs don't do that. Pigs don't just run for water and then drown themselves. Instead, of course, it was the demon that was able um, to, to do that, but Jesus who send that de sent that demon into the pigs. And so um, the people come and they see what had happened, and they hear all that had happened, the herdsmen tell uh, of what had happened, and the people are afraid. That is a natural reaction to that. Think about it. If you were, uh, if you were a, a farmer, and let's say you have 20, 25 pigs, and you have a pond on your property, and some guy comes onto your property, and uh, this weird dude who's been running around your farm acting, acting a fool now is suddenly acting normal, and now your pigs are running into the, into the pond, 
that would frighten you. That that that's just a natural human reaction, uh, especially for this n- new region that Jesus is going into. This region is called the Decapolis. Uh, if you see in there in verse twenty, this is on the uh, east side of the Sea of Galilee. Um, so over in that direction of of uh, of the region. Um, and so these people are like, "Who is this guy? I can't believe that he just did this. Please leave. We don't want, we don't want any anything to do with this." And so Jesus doesn't argue with them. He says, "Okay." He gets back in the boat, and then the man that he heals says, "Let me come with you. I want to follow you." Jesus desires for people to follow him, but Jesus tells this man, "No." Why? Well, he says, go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. You see, Jesus, realizing the people's aversion uh, to him, that they don't want him in the region doing what he's currently doing, he now has someone who can go and preach Jesus to the people. And so that's what the man does. Instead of following Jesus, Jesus uses the man and the experience that the man has had to go then into the Decapolis, which is ten cities. That's what it means. It's, it's, a, it's a region that contains ten cities. Um, and he goes throughout the Decapolis, it says, uh, and reveals and proclaims how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. The reason that's important is because Jesus comes back in the future and the people are ready for him, if you will. Um, They know about him at this point and they come to him, as we saw in Matthew. Um, So this this man served a purpose, not only to show Jesus' power and authority, but also to proclaim Christ in the Decapolis, in that that region of, of, um, of Israel. Now, the next section here, if you look at the, the, uh, the main title or the description of this uh, live video, have you ever seen the connection between the two females here in Mark 5? These next several verses, there are several connections here. So first I'm going to read through it, and then we're going to connect those stories together. So listen closely. Verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, so he's gone from the east side of the Sea of Galilee back to the west side, uh, a great crowd gathered about him, I'll add, again. Okay, Anywhere Jesus goes right now, a great crowd is gathering around him. And he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at Jesus' feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. Jesus went with the ruler. Now, first thing that I want to point out here, the Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. Okay? An influential leader of the Jews, recognizing the power and authority of Jesus. Jesus is building faith in the Jewish people, especially in some of the religious leaders. Perhaps he was... A Pharisee? Perhaps he was not. Again, that's kind of like a political party, if you will. Um, but nonetheless, he was a ruler of the synagogue. A very important person. Um, continuing in verse 24. And a great crowd followed him. So Jesus went, goes with this man, goes is heading towards his house, and the crowd follows. And they thronged about him. All right. So I want you to kind of create a mental picture here as, as I read through this. Jesus, picture a a great crowd surrounding Jesus 
and Jairus, uh, and, and perhaps um, some of Jairus' servants, some of the disciples, all pressed in on Jesus as he's trying to make his way through this town uh, and, and out to the house of Jairus. Verse 25, and There was a woman who had a discharge of blood for twelve years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd, and touched his garment. For she said, If I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out of him, out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see this crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? Have you ever been in an amusement park or uh, the mall or Black Friday, and there is just a massive amount of people I despise being in those situations personally. I can remember last year during Winterfest at King's Island, uh, my wife and the kids, we went there, um, and it was jammed with people. I felt uncomfortable. I felt, I felt scared, to be honest. I just did not like the pressure of all the people that were there. And we went into the Fest House. And the Fest House is this, uh, if you've never been to King's Island, it's a, it's a big um, like amphitheater type building there's you know a lot of seating there's a stage up front where they do a show and then there's food on either side and some little uh, booths around around the exterior this place was jammed there were people standing everywhere uh, in fact uh, i was like we got to get out of here i don't want to be in here there's like two exits out of this place and there was hundreds of people in there and so we went out uh, and when we went out we sat on some benches and immediately there were team members from King's Island that came in and were now guarding the doors we are at capacity they're not letting anybody else in and I would dare say they were over capacity but nonetheless when I think about that I think about the crowd that Jesus is walking in here everybody's pushing around him touching him think of it as like a crowded elevator except expanded a little bit and yet he feels when this woman touches him. The power, it says, he feels the power gone out from him. Verse 32, And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She felt guilty. She felt guilty, uh, and so she came before him and fell down in fear and in trembling, and told Jesus the truth. And Jesus consoles her, comforts her, and encourages her and says, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, while he was still talking to this woman, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. 
Let me stop right there. Jesus, at hearing the uh, servants coming and telling Jairus that his daughter was dead, don't trouble the teacher anymore, he tells the crowd, stop following me. Stay here and takes Jairus and and, uh, those uh, select group of disciples and note who all was with him. Peter, who uh, according to tradition and um, what many scholars believe is the source of Mark's writings, Peter, James, and John. So it would, because of Peter's knowledge of this, we have a little bit more uh, insight into what's happening here. All right. So they go into the house, and then Jesus tells everybody that's in there, those especially those who laughed at him, get out. And so now it's just Jairus and his disciples, and the and, and the mother of the child as well. Verse forty-one, taking her, the little girl, by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kumi which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was twelve years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So do you see the connection here between the woman uh, who was healed by Jesus on his way to heal the daughter and the daughter herself? Let let me connect the dots here. Both females that we have in the story have no name. Instead, they are referred to and known as simply daughter. Both of these stories have one falling at Jesus' feet. You have uh, Jairus falling at Jesus' feet, and you have the woman falling at Jesus' feet. See, Mark sandwiches the woman in the middle of this story. Rather than separating it out, it's almost chrono- it is chronological in nature, uh, but he puts these two stories together here. Both of these stories have Jesus being misunderstood. The woman who fell down trembling in fear misunderstood why Jesus was looking around to find her. And of course, Jesus coming to heal uh, the, the the little girl was misunderstood by the people that were there. They laughed at him. Both stories have a mixture of both fear and faith. Uh, because uh, Jairus was fearful that his daughter had died, Jesus says, do not fear, only believe. Of course, the woman who fell at Jesus' feet was also fearful. Both stories uh, have healings that happen immediately. Both stories also mention 12 years. And both stories, as well as the one previous, have a problem that only Jesus can solve. So, the woman who falls down, let's start with her. The woman who falls down at Jesus' feet, the woman who touches his garment, she has this 12-year incurable flow of blood. And according to Levitical law, uh, in Leviticus 15, 19 through 30, this flow of blood makes her unclean, and thus she would be excluded from the temple and t- and, and really just everyday life uh, in Israel. But rather than ask Jesus for help, she believes that if she just simply touches him as he passes by, she's going to be healed. And you think about it, there's a massive throng of people around him. And so stopping Jesus and asking him to do this isn't really feasible, but she believed that all she needed to do was just touch his garment. And she was right. 
And as Jesus speaks to her and, comm and, and, and commends her faith, the first story continues. The little girl that Jesus was on his way to see dies seemingly while Jesus is healing this woman. But rather than stop and give up, Jesus continues on to the house anyway. And of course he finds her and, and brings her back to life. Now if you'll note, Mark notates that she was 12 years old, as old as the woman's flow of blood. Now, whether or not they're connected or not, I don't know. But, of course, there is a correlation there that Mark points out for a reason. The whole emphasis of both of these stories is that deep faith is involved. A faith that drives these individuals, the father of the daughter and the woman uh, who touches Jesus' garment, drove them to fall before Jesus. A desperate woman and a desperate father find comfort in Jesus. They find healing. They find hope. And the application that I, I see in this is that in times of desperation, when we are in need, throwing yourself in faith before Jesus is always the best solution. Always. You know, previously we've uh, talked about mountain-moving faith. And and uh, the question always comes up when we talk about those things is, well, you know, I, I have faith and I've asked for these things to, to be removed or, or be moved, but nothing happens. And uh, in the sermon that I preached, and again, you can find that on our website here, leveland.church, about mountain-moving faith, sometimes mountains don't move. Um, and that's because they're there for a reason. God has a purpose for those mountains. Jesus asked for the mountain to be moved, uh, the cup to be passed from him. Uh, but in, excuse me, instead, God says, no, this mountain has purpose. And Jesus climbed up that mountain called Calvary and died on the cross. Paul asked three times for the mountain to be removed from him, that thorn in his flesh. And God said, no, because it was there for a purpose. But nonetheless... There are problems in our lives that only Jesus can solve. There are things in our life that only God has power over. And falling before God is the best solution. The answer may not be the answer you're looking for, but he answers nonetheless. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. We lose sight of the fact that I've asked for these things, but I'm not getting an answer. That's not true. You're getting an answer, it's just not the answer you're looking for. And remember, when we pray in faith and ask in faith for the things that we need, we do so with godly motives. Not my will, but yours be done, as Jesus teaches us in his model prayer. I hope this has been an encouragement for you today. Uh, if you have any questions about this reading, about these stories um, uh, that we've gone through today, be sure to ask those questions in the comment section below. You can also private message us here on Facebook. If you have questions about the church or about becoming a member of the church or what it means to become a Christian or desire further study, we want to talk to you as well. You can email us privately if you'd like, info at loveland.church, and we will get back to you um, very quickly uh, and meet with you and, and discuss the questions that you have. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I look forward uh, to covering uh, Mark chapter 6 tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you have a great rest of your day. 
Be blessed. For a better one, bright and fair, Christ left to prepare a mansion for his children in the air. I'll join him in that land where tears, no sorrow can be found. And I'll receive my mansion, mansion, robe, and crown. The weather there.